As someone who's been covering Sun Devil sports for 20 years, I've encountered a lot of crazy, if not bizarre, situations and scenarios that ultimately were filed under the been there, done that category. But I'm sure this will come as no surprise to anyone out there that my current experiences when it comes to ASU athletics, let alone a situation that's been gripping our country and the entire globe for that matter, has definitely been uncharted territory to say the least. There are obviously much bigger implications out there when it comes to the coronavirus than the world of sports, let alone ASU athletics. But nonetheless, we'll devote this podcast to the effects this pandemic has had on the various Sun Devil sports. And for some of them, we'll conduct a season summary much, much earlier than we've ever expected. In the last portion of our podcast, we're going to field your questions. And I know there have been many out there in a world that has been more fluid of change than it's ever had been in my lifetime. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get this podcast started. Was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host and devilsdigest.com publisher, Hoda Rubino. And I hope that everybody, first and foremost, are doing okay under the circumstances. Uh, this coronavirus pandemic has been something that I don't think many of us have seen any such occurrence in our lifetime, not only from a, a medical standpoint, but just the outreaching effect that this pandemic has had on the entire world. And as I mentioned in the intro, I know that there are several other much more important factors in sports that have been affected by the coronavirus. But nonetheless, I know that folks that are tuning into this podcast are really more interested in hearing what kind of implications it has on the various Sun Devil sports out there. So I know some folks like to start with the bad news before the good news, but uh, since there's probably plenty of bad news to talk about later on, or at least relatively speaking, bad news, let's talk about somewhat of good news when it comes to ASU football. As we know, Arizona State, even though did start its spring practices later than they did in 2019, they still were able to get in seven sessions before spring break. And obviously the news shutting down each and every NCAA sport all came down in the last few days while Arizona State was still on spring break. Just as a quick reminder for folks who are wondering why the Sun Devils did not start the spring practices the first week of February like they did last year, but rather waiting until the very last week of that month, the reason was that Arizona State wanted to host recruits as much as possible during their spring practices, and they really were not able to have anybody come on campus, whether it was an official or unofficial visit capacity, if they did conclude their 15 spring practices by the last week of February like they did last year. So ASU's plan was to have half of its spring sessions take place before spring break, and then after that one-week hiatus, when they resumed their spring practices, they could have recruiting visitors on campus. Uh, Some of you may know that Arizona State did have four sessions on Friday and Saturday nights for that purpose and that purpose alone to have folks come after school, let alone folks traveling from out of state, come and witness an Arizona State spring practice, get a tour to 
get a chance, I'm sorry, to tour the campus, have a chance to interact with the coaches and really just get the full uh, effect of a recruiting experience with Arizona State. Well, those plans were obviously foiled, but the fact that Arizona State, a team that's going under scheme changes both on offense and defense, was able to get seven sessions in the books, really get to implement a good deal of those new schemes on both sides of the ball, I think was critical and Arizona State can be happy that at least there has been some significant achievements taking place during spring practice in terms of learning the playbook, both for the offense and the defense. And the rest of spring practice, granted, there were going to be some facets of those respective schemes still being implemented, but I think a lot of the meat and potatoes was digested, if you will, already by the team during the first half of spring practices. Granted, there's some schools out there that haven't even started their first spring practice, and whether those teams are behind the eight ball or not, I guess depends on the continuity factor, if you will. Are those programs running carbon copy schemes that they executed in 2019, or are they like Arizona State, really starting from scratch in some respects when it comes to just the general philosophy that the coaches have on both sides of the ball. So so it's anyone's guess whether Arizona State having just seven, eight practices after spring break or having the full 15 or close to 15 when they resume practices will be advantage or advantage or disadvantage. But again, I think there's no doubt that some work was definitely accomplished by the Arizona State players and coaches, and there's probably less to accomplish when they come back. And now the biggest question is, when do Arizona State and really the rest of the Pac-12 football programs, for the matter, do come back and resume the spring practices, or maybe in some programs' cases, start their first ever spring practice? Over the weekend, the uh, Pac-12 presidents did meet uh, with Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott via a conference call, and it was determined that the earliest date that Arizona State and the rest of the conference could resume their spring practices was going to be March 29th. So really in Arizona State, that means that if they did come back on that date, it would be just over a three-week-plus hiatus. The Another big question, and I alluded to some of it uh, earlier in my discussion, is what happens with those recruiting visits. Can Arizona State have official or unofficial visitors on campus during their spring practices? Well, the recruiting calendar showed that while Arizona State was able to have recruits come on, come onto their campus, coaches were not allowed to go out and evaluate recruits in the 21 and 22 classes and maybe even 23 until April 15th. Well, the NCAA with one of its directive in the last few days, did determine that no coaches can have any on or off campus activities until April 15th. So even if Arizona State were to take back to the practice field on March 29th, they still would not able to have any recruits on campus just because of that NCAA resolution. And now Arizona State and obviously a lot of other schools are in the same boat in in terms of a dilemma how early or how late do they want to resume their spring practices 
knowing that the April 15th uh, cutoff date, if you will, is still looming out there? I mean, do you still want to have maybe all of your practices take place only on April 15th and beyond so you can have those recruits come for a visit? And how does that affect your timetable in terms of your coaches going out there and being able to be on the road, assuming that they will be able to do so starting April 15th, something that already has been established quite a while back. So a lot of unanswered questions, and I don't think any any of us can really attempt to answer those, but I just wanted to, if nothing else, just lay out the landscape when it comes to Arizona State football and how a sport that hasn't come to a screeching halt as some of the other NCAA sports out there, but still impacted quite a bit just in terms of their normal operations and also when it comes to the recruiting activities of that program. So I'm really curious to see what Arizona State decides to do once the resolutions from both the Pac-12 when it comes to resuming spring practice as well as the NCAA resuming recruiting activities come down and whether Arizona, Arizona State decides to try and finish their spring practices as quickly as possible, even if that means not having recruiting visitors on campus, or do they decide to have at least three, four practices when recruits can actually visit campus and only then go on the road recruiting again, assuming the NCAA does really remove those restrictions sooner rather than later. So a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions still to be answered, but that's how things stand right now with ASU football. This is still a sport, as mentioned, that is still going to go on as normal, as much as normal can be done these days at a later date. But there have been some sports, namely ASU basketball and ASU baseball, that had their season come to an end. And we're going to talk about those sports next. all the bizarre things that are happening in the sports world right now for me to record a podcast on what is supposed to be selection Sunday without really discussing where Arizona State was seated in the NCAA tournament certainly feels really, really weird. Obviously, the coronavirus took a toll on the NCAA tournament, among other aspects of the sports and the non-sports life. So here we are, left to be guessing where Arizona State would be seated in March Madness. And really, going back, how would Arizona State fare in the Pac-12 tournament? I've seen some simulations where I had the Sun Devils capture that tournament for the very first time. So for Sun Devil fans, they hope that uh, this dream becomes a reality sooner rather than later. I do think Arizona State, and I mentioned this in my previous podcast, was definitely entering the Pac-12 tournament on a pretty high note, winners eight of their last 11. And Bobby Hurley said himself that he thought that this year's Sun Devil squad was the one that he felt the most confident going into the Pac-12 tournament. We'll never know. 
how far the Sun Devils could have gone. As a reminder, the first day of the Pac-12 tournament did take place last Wednesday, but Arizona State, being in the top four, actually got the first round by, was set to play Thursday evening against Washington State, who did beat Colorado the night before. That game obviously never happened, nor did any of the other Pac-12 tournament games that day. So we're here now left to guess, theorize, however you want to describe it, how Arizona State would do both in the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. When you look at the various bracketologists out there, and obviously I'll start with our resident bracketologist, Jeff Griffith, who did a great job keeping us informed, uh, not only this year, but even last year as well, as to Arizona State's prospects in the postseason. Jeff had Arizona State ranked number 10 in the country, uh, facing Providence in the first round. And when you look at that 10 seed, I think that's pretty much not consensus, but I would say the majority of the seedings that I saw out there were just around the being Arizona State being being the 10 seed. I, I did see some nine seeds too. I think that might be just a little too overly optimistic. I know there was some brackets that had Arizona State as high as eight. Uh, I think that's definitely unrealistic. But again, who am I to say with none of the tournaments coming to their conclusion how Arizona State would fare for good or for bad when it came to their seeding in the field of 68. I do feel that they had a good chance of avoiding Dayton if the uh, selection Sunday took place today, which brings me to the next point of whether there should or should not have been a token selection Sunday, if you will, that would tell us, tell the world where Arizona State and the rest of the teams, in that matter, would fall in the field of 68. So here's where I come on this, and I really pondered this point of view quite a bit. I think if you're just living in your Sun Devil bubble, so to speak, you did want Selection Sunday, as token as it may be, to take place, because that would be validation, recognition that Arizona State made the NCAA tournament for three years in a row, the only Pac-12 team to do it in that span, and a Achieving a feat that has not been achieved in Tempe since the early 60s of qualifying for the NCAA tournament three years straight. So those are definitely accomplishments that are worth celebrating, that are worth noting. You then have the financial aspect of Bobby Hurley, maybe his assistants too, getting a bonus uh, qualifying for the NCAA tournament. And I don't know from a legal standpoint that if the NCAA did have a token selection Sunday show out there, would that qualify in terms of an NCAA tournament incentive that's owed to Bobby Hur? They're really owed to any coach out there in America that qualified for March Madness. So that's one point of view, again, really looking at it a very micro in the vacuum point of view. Now, if you look at a broader point of view, I don't know how you can really construct a field of 68 when none of the conference tournaments came to fruition. I mean, heck, most of them didn't even go past the first round. So it's not only just not knowing where Arizona State or other teams around the country would do, how they would fare for good or for bad in their own tournament, but when you just look at teams on the bubble, 
have results around the country help their cause or hurt their cause. I mean, you take a team like Stanford, for example, they lost in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament to Cal. It looked like a devastating loss, but how are we to know that the dominoes wouldn't fall in their favor Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that may have helped the Cardinals' cause to actually squeak into the field of 68, probably playing in Dayton, but nonetheless qualifying for the NCAA tournament. So to paint a picture that's really not complete without even having all the ingredients to make it complete just feels weird. And maybe I would take a step further, just feels like forcing the issue. Like you have to have Selection Sunday. And even though there's a pandemic worldwide that has canceled the NCAA tournament altogether and beyond that canceled all the conference tournaments that dictate the field of 68, why even have Selection Sunday? What is the purpose of it? It's just really a hollow projection, if you will. So, again, it really depends what which point of view you take. And you know me, I'm, I'm usually pretty resolute with my points of view. And I try really hard not to be diplomatic, not to be sitting on the fence. But this one's hard to answer. This one is a question that I really struggle with. And again, it's a matter of do you get out of your Arizona State covering the team bubble and look at the grand picture or do you have to be selfish and just think about okay how this would hurt or benefit Arizona State if there were if there was a selection Sunday so that's where I come out on that and and I think that a lot of college basketball fans out there whether they're Sun Devil fan Sun Devil fans or fans of other teams may agree or agree or disagree with just being really split in terms of your opinion, your point of view on if there should or should not be a selection Sunday. But one thing seems to be sure, all the critics that thought that March Madness could be played sometime in April, maybe even May, I think realized that that was just wishful thinking at its best. As I'm recording this podcast, I'm seeing reports on Twitter that the NBA is ready to only resume games three months from now. In other words, in the month of June. So as much as we would have wanted March Madness to be April or May Madness, that simply in the current environment with this pandemic seemed absolutely impossible, unfortunately. So here we are without Insulated Tournament discussing a lot of what of, could have, should have. But in terms of speaking in absolutes, Specifically, when it comes to Arizona State basketball, we can definitely analyze the season that was for the Sun Devils. ASU ended up finishing third in the Pac-12 with a record of 20-11, and 11-7 and seven in conference play. And something I mentioned when the regular season ended that I know that some fans weren't too impressed with Arizona State finishing second last season in the Pac-12. And that definitely was a talent-diluted conference. It's a was a league that did very, very bad in, in non-conference play and was getting hammered by the national media like no other. But you fast forward to the 2019-20 season, and Arizona State finishing third in a league that definitely elevated its talent level, a league that was poised to have, worst-case scenario, six teams in the field of 68, maybe even seven, that is a whole different perspective to look at when you analyze Arizona State's third place finish in the Pac-12. The Sun Devils, if you recall, 
started Pac-12 play with a 1-3 and record, and it looked anything but a team that was going to finish in the top four, let alone qualify for postseason play. But Arizona State winning eight of their last 11 games definitely was able to turn their fortune fortunes around much quicker than anybody else thought they would. So it was definitely an impressive finish for Arizona State when it comes to it comes to the regular season. Unfortunately, finishing in the top four, enjoying that first round by in Pac-12 t- tournament is an achievement nonetheless, but an achievement that definitely rings more hollow now that the Pac-12 tournament was never played, at least in that stage, for Arizona State to capture an historic Pac-12 tournament championship. Now, some achievements that Arizona State can definitely boast following this campaign is finishing in the top four in back-to-back years for the first time since 2010, being able to sweep a Pac-12 road series for the first time in a decade as well, and having three straight 20-win seasons, again, first time they've done that in a decade. So you're definitely seeing Bobby Hurley elevating this program more and more to some heights that definitely have not been commonplace in Tempe. And I said it in my last podcast and said it in other mediums as well, that this past season was definitely Bobby Hurley's best season of coaching in Tempe. He didn't have near the talent, I don't think, that he had last year or, or, the, or the year before. I mean, you can look at this ASU roster and with all due respect to all the players on it, which some of them are proven good, if not great, college players. You do not have one player out here that you can point to as a surefire NBA draft pick, not even in the second round, probably. And, and, and look, to be successful in college basketball, you don't have a, you don't have to have a roster that has two, three lottery picks on it. And I would argue that some teams in the Pac-12 and elsewhere have had such squads in terms of their makeup that really don't have much to boast about when it comes to this past season. But that, to me, that lack of NBA talent, if you will, only enhances that more the point of Bobby Hurley and the fine job that he did in the 2019-2020 season. Now, just to touch briefly on recruiting for Arizona State basketball, especially in light of the coronavirus and all the restrictions that the NCAA has been putting in place. So one item of news that came down as I recorded the podcast is that the basketball signing period that is set to start on April 15th will be reevaluated. What's taking place in the meantime is that a recruiting dead period in basketball and football for that matter is still going to go on at least until that same date of April 15th. So I think it stands for reason that the basketball signing period will probably not begin at April 15th at that point, because if you have a dead period that has extended well over the anticipated three, four weeks, now ending on the first day players can sign, that obviously puts a lot of programs at a disadvantage. Now, when it comes specifically to Arizona State, they already hosted their two prime targets in the 2020 recruiting class, five-star guard Josh Christopher and four-star center prospect Cliff Omiori, who is ranked in the top 40 among all prospects in the 2020 class. 
needless to say that if Arizona State was able to land those two prospects along with five-star prospect Marcus Bagley, who already signed with the Sun Devils back in November of last year, this is a squad that is poised to make a lot of noise in the 2020-21 season. You also have the NCAA possibly ruling giving some players an extra year of eligibility. That could mean that players such as Rob Edwards and Mickey Mitchell, who right now are outgoing seniors from this Arizona State team, now being able to have possibly the option of playing in the 2020-21 season. That is something that is yet to be determined. We can talk about that later in our Q&A segment. But all in all, Arizona State, if they do what a lot of folks, including myself, anticipate them doing, rounding out the 2020 recruiting class, this pandemic delay of recruiting operations may not hurt them that much after all. But we're definitely not any closer to a resolution in that manner with the signing date that, again, right now is scheduled for April 15th, but good chance will be delayed beyond that date if you're a Sun Devil fan, hopefully with no adverse impact because of that rescheduling of the signing date. Let's shift gears to ASU baseball. Their season comes to a halt as they are ranked number eight in the country with a record of 13 and four. We're just about to begin Pac-12 play with a home series against Utah when the Pac-12 and the NCAA later on halted all spring sports competition. Ironically, ASU was set to play one of its last non-conference games against their arch-rival University of Arizona on Tuesday the 10th of March because of weather, that game got delayed a week later, and now it's a game that will never be played. And I know a lot of fans were excited to see the Sun Devils, who at the time were running a five-game winning streak, test their bats and pitching against the Wildcats. And now we'll have to wait until next season to do so. This is a team that in many ways did come as advertised with very good hitting and pitching that was supposed to be better than it was last season, even though ASU, if you recall, started the 2019 season 21-0. and Their pitching definitely showed its true colors, if you will, down the stretch and route to a disappointing Pac-12 season and an even more disappointing performance in postseason play. But we looked at the 2020 Sun Devils. Their collective ERA, while ranked only 85th in the country, was still a very respectable 3.56. A lot of young arms in that bullpen for Arizona State. But I think that the hiring of pitching coach Jason Kelly was definitely showing some early, and I would say even expected, dividends. So that was one aspect that I felt ASU was doing pretty well early on in the 2020 campaign. When it comes to hitting, obviously the discussion has to begin and end with Spencer Torkelson, who right now, with the season ending, 
is discussed even that much more as the overall number one projected pick in the Major League Baseball draft this coming June. And who knows if, it, if that draft date is going to get delayed or not. But nonetheless, the near consensus seems to be that Torkelson will be the eighth player in Arizona State history to be selected number one in the MLB draft. The last player, in case you were wondering, was O.W. McDowell back in 1983. And Torkelson definitely showed his mighty bat once again in 2020, pretty much that has been standard operating procedure ever since Torkelson donned the Sun Devil uniform back in 2018. Torkelson in the last couple years became only the third player in Pac-12 history to have back-to-back seasons of 20 home runs, more specific 25 home runs as a freshman and 23 in his sophomore campaign. Hitting six home runs in the first 17 games for Arizona State, Torkelson was definitely on pace to have a third straight 20 home run season. And perhaps in the most heartbreaking story when it comes to ASU baseball is that Torkelson, with the season coming to an abrupt end, was only a mere three home runs away from breaking the all-time school record set by Bob Horner of 56 home runs, a school record that is 42 years old. So talk about a golden opportunity, no pun intended, that may be a long, long time until we see anybody come even close to what Spencer Torkelson did and break a home run record that seems to be perhaps unbreakable at this point. So typical of a a cap to Spencer Torkelson, who reached base on all 17 games that he played this year, started in all the games for the Sun Devils in the 2020 season. But he's not the only player that we should recognize in this shortened 2020 baseball season. Trevor Haver, who was Spencer Torkelson's protection in the lineup, ended the season on a 15-game hitting streak and made every team seemingly that was intentionally walking the first baseman, and trust me, there were a lot of those, definitely pay the price. Perhaps one player that really came out of nowhere to really shine in this shortened baseball season is junior infielder Drew Swift, who actually leads the Sun Devils at season end with a batting average average of 365, hit his first ever home run as a Sun Devil this season. And not that he was an unknown coming into the 2020 campaign, but I think if you wanted to point to one player that's been the biggest pleasant surprise of the Sun Devils, I would definitely point to Swift as being that player. And moving to the mound, another player much like Swift and Boyd Vandercoy, who is a junior, so obviously not foreign to ASU fans by any means, but when you look at his performance, this season, a ridiculous ERA of .70, pitching in just over 25 innings. Just as a point of reference, as a freshman in 2018, he pitched in 36 innings, so not a whole lot more than this point, and had an ERA of 3.0. So definitely a pitcher that made a lot of strides from his first two years as a Sun Devil. Last year's ERA was 5.59 in 95 innings pitched. And he was definitely poised to be the ace, the Friday starter 
for for these Sun Devils and definitely did assume that role in some cases earlier in the year. So an ASU baseball season that really had a lot of potential to be perhaps the most successful one for Tracy Smith, not only record-wise, but really in terms of its final Pac-12 standings and more importantly, being a program that I felt had an excellent, maybe even a shoe-in chance of hosting a regional at worst, perhaps even a super regional, and a team that definitely did have what it takes to get to Omaha. But here we are with a season that has lasted 17 contests, wondering what could have been with these Sun Devils. As promised, the last segment of our podcast is devoted to you, the Sun Devil fan, and your questions that relate to ASU athletics and the coronavirus, or maybe just questions in general about any ASU sport out there. And as always, I'll take care of the folks that take care of me, my premium customers at the Devil's Huddle. If you're not a premium subscriber already, and especially in times like this where you definitely want to be kept entertained, if not informed about ASU athletics, this is a great time to become a premium subscriber at devilsdigest.com. First question comes from Santan Devil. I read that nationally some collegiate seniors affected by shortened sports seasons are going to petition the NCAA for another year of eligibility. This is very interesting, but has its pitfall. What what say you, Hode? Well, I agree with you that this definitely can open a whole Pandora box if the NCAA decides that the spring sports, which are baseball and softball, for example, and maybe some winter sports like men's and women's basketball, if players in those sports will be able to get another year of eligibility due to their sports ending their seasons prematurely. And I know some folks feel that this really should be done more for the spring sports and winter sports like men's and women's basketball that played just about 90% or so of the games that were just now ready to get into the postseason portion of their schedule can't be put on the same plateau, if you will, as a baseball or a softball player that barely played a third of their season. So I think that's one of the pitfalls out there. Do you give it both to winter and spring sport participants or you just limit it to spring? Second of all, when you talk about the extra year of eligibility, are you giving this just to the seniors or even you're going with an umbrella approach, if you will. So if you're a freshman, whether you're redshirted or not, you are going to get automatically another year. That's another question that still needs to be answered out there. And I don't think the NCAA has provided any hints one way or another. Me personally, and maybe this is more of a skeptical, cynical point of view, which I know in this uh, pandemic uh, days around the country is definitely an approach that poor people rather than not are taking. But I think that if the NCAA comes to any kind of resolution, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do or the prudent thing to do, I suspect they're only going to allow the spring sports to enjoy that, but more importantly, only allow senior players 
to be given that extra year of eligibility, regardless if they did or did not redshirt any time during their college career. So to put it in examples that hit close to home, players such as Rob Edwards and Mickey Mitchell from the men's basketball team will be allowed to play one more year for the Sun Devils. But a player like Remy Martin, for example, who is going to be a senior going into the 2021 season, is still going to have that one year left of eligibility rather than two. This is how I suspect the NCAA could go. Again, is it the fairest or the most prudent approach to take? That's really in the eye of the beholder, I would say. But that's the approach that I suspect the NCAA will ultimately come down with in terms of resolution. Wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear about such a resolution for weeks and weeks to come. But but in such a fluid uh, state of state of affairs right now, it's really anybody's guess uh, if and when that uh, resolution does come down, as I described. But those are my thoughts on that matter. Second question comes from Lobo Jangles. What are the chances the university is saving money with the cancellation of these spring sports? Can't imagine they realize any monetary gain from spring sports and might actually lessen the burden in some form or fashion. And I think it's an excellent point that you bring up. And obviously, lack of revenue or losing revenue from spring sports really differs from school to school to school, not only in the Pac-12, but but at the NCAA at large. And I think there's definitely some component to that, that to run a baseball or softball game in terms of expenses rather than revenue, that more often than not, you are going to be in the red. And this definitely holds true to other sports, let's say, like lacrosse or triathlon, for example. So maybe there is some cost saving savings measure to that. But the problem is that some of the revenue that ASU basketball was going to bring in in terms of its participation by the NCAA tournament, I'm sure it was going to trickle down and positively affect those other spring sports that are not revenue generating. So in that sense, I don't know if it really helped Arizona State just from a dollar and cents perspective to really save all that money and not run X number of baseball or softball games at home, let alone travel expenses that that were going to be incurred. So I think there's some truth to your assertion out there. But again, if some of those monies that Arizona State was set to earn from the NCAA tournament in basketball, both men's and women's for for that matter. I don't know if those monies were or were not going to help some of the other sports that depended on it that much. And really, at the end of the day, a lot of the revenue does come from the sport of football, from all the games that are televised by the various networks. And those are that's money that's already in the bank, if you will, because there's no ASU football games that are getting that uh, they're getting canceled in the uh, 2019 season, obviously, and all the money from the broadcasting rights is money that's already should be sooner or later in the coffers of, of Arizona State. So again, I, I don't think that uh, there's been a lot of revenue lost because of the cancellation of the various spring sports, but I wouldn't be so quick to determine it as a win-win situation that those uh, seasons have come to an untimely end as far as having a 100% positive effect on the financial bottom line for Arizona State. The next question comes from Ray2363. 
With the recruiting calendar being adjusted by the NCAA, any idea when we can now expect the first 2021 official visits in football to take place? And as I mentioned in the very first segment of this podcast, that remains to be seen because right now we know that the NCAA is not allowing any on or off campus activities before April 15th. So April 15th really is the earliest we can expect any official visits to take place. And I suspect that those might now also take place in May. And I know a lot of them already were probably going to take place in June as well. So I think that situation is still up in the air somewhat, but I wouldn't be surprised if sometime during April, and it might be maybe the very latter part of April, it might spill into the beginning of May, that we'll start seeing some of those official visits taking place. Obviously, the recruiting calendar for football and all sports for that matter really need really needs, I'm sorry, to be revamped quite a bit. So the different time frames as far as uh, dead periods versus uh, periods that requests are allowed to visit, uh, all that is about to change quite a bit in the weeks and months to come. The next question comes from Big E Sun Devil, which obviously in these uh, crazy times does offer some levity. Who is the favorite on The Bachelor? Well, I think The Bachelor already got concluded since I recorded that podcast, so I'm not going to say who it is. And But I know that, uh, to no surprise, uh, that couple already split uh, since then. So the fact of who was was who was or wasn't The Bachelor is pretty immaterial right now. But thanks, uh, Big E, for uh, keeping it straight over here. Next question comes from Ty Cap. Given the shortened season, in your opinion, what would be the logical and appropriate decision and the action for Ray Anderson regarding the baseball program leadership beyond 2020? So uh, this is a question that I purposely did not really address when I talked about the ASU baseball season. But look, it's no secret that Tracy Smith's seat was hot going into the 2020 season. I don't say this as a harsh critic of Tracy Smith. I think that even the biggest fans of ASU Skipper do know that it was really a put up or shut up 2020 campaign for the ASU baseball uh, program. Obviously, it would be ludicrous for an ASU baseball team that is ranked number eight at the conclusion of its season as prematurely as it ended to have its skipper be fired. So I absolutely do not expect Bray Anderson to announce later on in April, let alone beyond that, any changes at the helm for ASU baseball. I know some will, some will say that Tracy Smith was really saved by the, by, by the coronavirus situation and its effect on the ASU baseball season, but I also think that making that statement has some degree of harshness to us because, after all, ASU was ranked number eight in the country when the, when the ASU baseball season uh, came to an end. I think this team definitely was headed to the postseason. Now, whether it's hosting a regional or not, hosting a super regional or not, those are questions we'll never be, be able to answer. But I think that to, ha- to have anything but Tracy Smith keep his job in the 2021 season uh, would be a very illogical course of action over here. So absolutely expect Ray Anderson to retain Tracy Smith. It is the right thing to do as much as this team didn't start on the greatest of notes, I think, were able to uh, rebound uh, quite nicely. Unfortunately, we, we don't even know how they would have done even against some of the Pac-12 competition out there because the season did come to a halt right before Pac-12 season was about to begin. But I do think that 
there's zero reason right now for Anderson to make any changes whatsoever when it comes to the coaching at the Arizona State baseball team. Another question from Ticap, and I know we kind of addressed it a few minutes ago. What are going to be the financial implications of limited sports for the athletic departments, given especially the fiscal year ends June, June 30th? you anticipate any budget and staff cuts? Why would fans commit to season tickets for next year with all the present uncertainty? I'll answer the second question first. To even imply that there's not going to be a 2020 football season that's going to begin fall camp in August and start playing in, at the end of August into September and beyond, I think that assumption is way, way out there. And uh, even the most pessimistic person out there, I don't think privately in their hearts of hearts believe that a football season that's supposed to start in about five and a half months from now is really not going to take place. I think that is way too cynical or negatively naive, for lack of a better term, of, of an assumption that this would not take place. Now, I don't think Arizona State is going to be knocking on doors of fans in the next couple of weeks for season ticket renewals or season ticket deposits. They probably would be better off waiting until much later in April, maybe even in May. But nonetheless, I definitely expect the football season, the basketball season, which would start in November of 2020 to to definitely take place. So I think it would be prudent when the time is right for ASU fans to know that there is going to be a season and to put down their deposit and or renew or even buy a season tickets to the various ASU sporting events. Now, to answer your first question about staff cuts and staff layoffs, I mean, obviously you don't wish that uh, for anyone, but there would be, I guess, some degree of nativity that just as the public sector, unfortunately, uh, is going to go through a period of job cuts, of layoffs, that the public sector, universities included, would probably not be able to escape the brunt of that. So I have no first-hand knowledge at all of those steps coming to Arizona State, but at this point, you can expect the unexpected in anything in the, when it comes to any, every facet of our life, including sports. And I think that, unfortunately, that could be a byproduct of, of this pandemic. So uh, I have, no again, no details whatsoever as far as uh, what um, is going to happen and how, but general cuts to... Arizona State staff, whether it be athletics or not, I think that's a very, very unfortunate circumstance of, of this coronavirus, and that unfor- unfortunately could happen in the next few months or a few weeks for that matter. Next question comes from ATX, S-A-T-X-S. I just don't, never know how to pronounce that name. And he's asking a serious question and one that he's sure that other customers are asking as well. With apparently no college sports this spring, how do you keep your customers engaged and relevant and interesting sports articles and discussions? Football camp is a long way off. Well, um, that's definitely a challenge. There's there's no doubt about that. And I think that it really becomes more recruiting focus in terms of looking at the various recruits that Arizona State is looking both at the 2020 and 21 class, both in football and basketball. I mean, yes, I do expect some 2020 additions 
to take place in football. They're not going to be great numbers, obviously, and same thing goes with basketball, but we'll definitely talk about those players. And uh, the 2021 class, obviously, there's going to be much to talk about, even if players are not allowed yet to accept visits from coaches or visit Arizona State. Uh, we can still definitely discuss uh, th- those recruits at length. So, again, to answer your question, I think it's really going to be just more recruiting focus than actual uh, team news. I mean, we will have articles having a season in review, articles, I'm sorry, both for baseball and basketball. So th- those those will take place as well. And Arizona State football is going to resume its spring practices at some point, and we're just going to provide the blanket coverage that we did for the first seven practices for the remainder, r- remainder I'm sorry, of those uh, sessions for, for the Sun Devils. So those, those are some, they're definitely some of the things that are, that are, that are going to keep us uh, busy. And really, I guess uh, if there's any silver lining in this uh, in terms of spring practice coverage that really was going to come to an end more or less the first week of April, now you're going to have that spring practice coverage probably well until the month of April and who knows, maybe even a little bit of May uh, at this point once we know how the calendar is all going to sort out. And the last question is from my customer from Sun Devil Zadie. Which 2021 prospects do you feel Arizona State has a strong chance at? Any big names? Two names that really come to mind right now. And again, it's it's hard really to elaborate that much on this topic with coaches not allowing to visit prospects and prospects not allowing to come on campus. But uh, Deontay Thornton is a 2021 wide receiver from Baltimore. That is one uh, player that I think Arizona State is doing very, very well with. He was supposed to come on campus as part of a junior day event on March 21st. That's obviously not not going to take place. That was an event, by the way, that was going to have a lot of recruiting prospects visit campus and something that really could help me answer this question in a much more educated manner. But if you wanted some quick names to throw out there, that is definitely one name out there. Another name to keep in mind is uh, Devin Kirkward, a uh, 6'4 defensive back from uh Gardena Sarah High School in California, and I already have an article uh, with the, conducted an interview with him on our front page, so you can read, read it out there. And uh, that is another player that Arizona State has been doing really, really well with. Uh, he's a prospect that is very, very coveted. Among other achievements this offseason, he won uh, the Rivals uh, Los Angeles Camp def- Defensive Back MVP Award, so definitely opened a lot of eyes in that respect, but even before that event, uh, was definitely shaping up as being one of the more coveted prospects in Pac-12 country. So th- those are two names uh, that, that you uh, can keep in mind out there that uh, we're going to hear probably more and more when it comes to their recruitment with the Sun Devils. Moving on to the questions from Twitter. Uh, first question comes from Rosendo Mendez. Is there hope for another year of eligibility for Rob Edwards and Mickey Mitchell? Uh, I did mention that early in the podcast. I think that if the NCAA will grant an extra year of eligibility for sports that are being affected. I still feel that the winter sports just as basketball may be at a lower priority than the spring sports like baseball. But if they do decide that winter sports do get that extra year of eligibility, I do think it it may only apply to seniors such as Rob Edwards and Mickey Mitchell being able to play for the 2021 season. I kind of doubt that it's going to be a blanket exception for all classes to get that extra year of eligibility. We'll see. Uh, again, your guess is as good as mine 
right now, but I think there's definitely a chance, maybe even a 50-50 chance for seniors such as Rob Edwards and Mickey Mitchell getting that extra year of eligibility. Next question comes from Life is Short but Sweet for Certain, which uh, I think is pretty apropos for these times. We'd love to have you talk about the future of ASU baseball, given that much of the fan base is fed up and would have wanted the team to at least make a super regional for Tracy Smith to keep his job, and now that's off the table. Another topic that I did address earlier in the podcast, but I think right now the future of ASU baseball, I don't want to say murky. That might be too overdramatic of a term right now, but if you're just looking in specific as to the future of Tracy Smith as the Sun Devil skipper, that is still TBD because I would be shocked if Ray Anderson took any action that resulted in the dismissal of Smith. It really would not make any sense whatsoever with a season that was cut short just one-third into the year. And we're just here waiting until the conclusion of the 2021 season to see if Arizona State is a team that can still go deep in the postseason, let alone get to Omaha, ensure that Tracy Smith does keep his job. So right now, uh, there's really not a whole lot to talk about that topic because everything just came to such an abrupt end. So I know the term TBD is maybe one that's getting used way too often in this day and age with this coronavirus. But when it comes to ASU baseball and the future of it, let alone the future of its skipper, that is just one more aspect that does fall under that category. You cannot make any sweeping conclusions one way or another concerning Tracy Smith, concerning the state of ASU baseball with the season that ended much earlier than anybody expected. And last question from Twitter comes from B. Will. Update on recruiting basketball and football. Those are also issues that I addressed uh, earlier in the podcast. And really the biggest thing right now that puts all that in question is when our visitors be allowed on campus. And that's maybe something that when it comes to Arizona State relates more to football than basketball because the Sun Devils' primary targets in basketball already did officially visit Arizona State. So luckily for them, that halt in recruiting activities didn't affect them in that regard. Uh, when it comes to football, uh, that's something that affected every, everybody really out there. I know some Pac-12 teams that were able to host visitors before the NCAA came down with their resolution halting all recruiting activities. But uh, I don't think ASU was planning anyway to have recruits that early on campus so now instead of having recruits, I know there was a big junior day scheduled for March 21st. Obviously, that's not going to take place. Those recruits just might end up visiting Arizona State in April rather than the last two weeks of March. That's really the only impact uh, that's going to happen. And when it comes to which recruits both programs are poised to sign, again, we, we talked earlier about that uh, in the podcast. But I think the picture is definitely much more unclear when it comes to football, just because, again, a lot of the recruiting activities are now going to be delayed to later dates. So it's really hard to make a lot of educated assumptions right now as to who the first few 2021 recruits that will sign with ASU football. But that's something we'll be a whole lot more knowledgeable, hopefully, in the next three, four weeks. And that'll do it for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Needless to say that our thoughts and prayers are with Anybody listening to this podcast that has been affected directly or indirectly by the coronavirus, whether it's uh, affected in a medical sense or financial sense, we really definitely wish you Godspeed and 
whatever tough situation you might find yourself in right now, that you will soon have brighter days ahead of you. So I don't know when the next episode of this podcast uh, will be recorded. I hope uh, this podcast keeps you uh, entertained and informed uh, for the time being when it comes to Sun Devil Sports. So everyone out there, take care, be safe, be healthy, and uh, we will talk to you uh, later on. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town